Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. everybody. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism and modern orthodoxy and everything in between. My name is Ruben Spolter. I'm here with Harav Johnny Solomon. Hello, Harav. Hello. Good afternoon, morning, evening. <laughs> it's it's evening. I know. Like, you know it's been a bit it's evening for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, we never know when people are listening to our podcast. Some people listen to it when they're driving to work in the morning. Some people, you know, these these gentle terms when they're going back to sleep. I'm not, you know. So I have some. We're, I have some, for everybody. I have some podcasts morning, that I listen night. to when I'm trying to fall asleep. And you know, I don't know if that's a compliment if you're if we're like nighttime listening. We're going to ask Rav Johnny. Rav Johnny's going to have a talk. Johnny's going to have like he's going to have a like a talk. Like Johnny's going to read you Chuvot of Rabbi Vadia. We should do that. That should we should close with that. Now to close our podcast, Rav Johnny Solomon will read us Rabbi Vadia's Chuvot. You know, I had a friend who was going to make a. I think it was a podcast of Hasidic stories for bedtime. No. It's we a should good add thing. that. Yeah. I actually wanted to do. I, when I grew up, box, Johnny's oh my, uh, oh my bedtime stories. Johnny's bedtime stories. I actually remember when I remember we grew up like there was like six thirteen Torah Avenue and there were like Parsha things. Do they like do they have that now? Because I like because like I was thinking so there are podcasts for kids. My daughter loves listening to like adventure podcasts and magic podcasts. That's Did anybody ever do that. a Parsha podcast? Like just the stories of the Chumash and Midrash. I mean, we used to read the Midrash says, but nobody ever, I'm, I'm just wondering, does that exist even? Anybody looking for sponsorship? It's an idea. The Midrash still exists. Yeah. No, the Midrash. Still <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been canceled yet. This is called RZ still... Ramblings. RZ Ramblings. Oh, and that is the, uh, that, that is uh, the lovely Molly Brovsky. Everybody, Molly Brovsky, how are you? Welcome to our Very podcast. Special. Do we need to do our bios or uh, nah. we could just skip it? Whatever. Well, we'll skip our bios this week. We do things. All of us do Lots of things. We're going to talk today. Um, I, I, I recently wrote a, a post commenting on, uh, on a speech given in America, and I, I associated the, 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 the talk uh, with life here in Israel. And that got us thinking, because sometimes people who uh, post on, on the Facebook or the Twitter can sometimes give the impression that life is all roses here that everything is great and wonderful, and we can sometimes seem a little preachy 
Uh, would you not? Would you not say, Harab Johnny, that we can sometimes come across that way? You want me to agree that we do? I, I hope we don't. I know, but yeah. it's possible that also, we do. When I say we, we I mean yeah. the, the we. So, uh, so, so uh, we thought today that maybe it's time for a little bit of honesty. And it, I have to say, I'm a little bit um, uh, anxious about this discussion Reticent. because red. No, I don't think the word is. I'm, I'm concerned about it because uh, there obviously is the issue of dibata arets. Uh, and uh, and the concern that somebody could listen to this and and say, well, they mentioned all the hard parts. But on the other hand, as Molly just said before we started recording, a little bit of honesty, I think, is also important. And uh, I think that uh, sometimes sharing some some of the struggles uh, could be beneficial for people to hear. And if you're in, here in Israel, it might be a little cathartic to understand that it's not all roses and that when you read somebody on Facebook saying, you know, oh, life in Israel, living the dream, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we also have to take out our garbage, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there, there are also struggles. So we're going to turn it over to Molly, who's going to get us started. Molly, you made Aliyah much, much earlier, much more early than we did. Where, where's real life? Where, where does the intersection of life in Israel uh, and uh, your, your Anglo identity uh, how should we say this? Scratch at your back in the place where you can't scratch. Right. Where's that uh, itch? Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, like, I agree with you. I think this, uh, I'm not quite sure why I thought this was important to talk about, but I, I think you kind of phrased it pretty well. It's, I think, um, important. I, I don't think we should be cheerleaders. I think if Johnny, I think, will talk about it because it was his, his word that he used before. If we're going to be ambassadors for Israel, which I think we should be, even if we believe that. It, you know, everybody makes their own personal choices and it might not even be the right choice for every single person. But I think those of us who live here do feel um, a certain responsibility to present Israel um, in general and life in Israel and its positives in a very um, positive light. Uh, I, I, but I, I think we should be honest also, also because it's, I just think honesty is always healthier than non-honesty. It's... It, it, being disingenuous is not going to serve the purpose of convincing anybody. And I agree with you. I also think it's important for the Olim community. Like, I'm not really, it could be I'm even more thinking about our fellow Olim who are listening to this and kind of empathizing with them than I am thinking about people who are considering Aliyah, even though I think it's valuable for both both um, communities. I just, I think it's important to be honest. Um, so to answer your question, I made a list should I read you the list and then you'll tell me which one you want me to talk about? Basically, this this all. No, thing. pick your favorite and then we uh, can respond. All right, let me just let me tell you where this came from. I think it was because I had to drive somebody to a doctor's appointment in in a hospital, and like. Oh, I thought you were going to say I had to drive to take a test. They take my car to the test, but okay. Oh no, ahead. I don't even do that. I don't do that. My husband's like, I, I want to read you my list, okay? And then we'll just parking narrow aisles, cultural language. Wait, wait, slow, slow, uh, one at a time, one at a time. Parking narrow aisles. And, park. Yeah, okay. Okay, these are trivial. I mean, this list is like you know, idioms, customer service, fast Hebrew, family, extended family, and nuclear family. Stress, no seasons, medical care, drop in comfort everywhere. Um, then I wrote the great kiddest drama, which is about a cultural divine. Uh, old friends. Wow, you came really prepared. I literally made a giant list. So where should I start? You want me to family? Family. You have to start with the family. Okay, but I don't even mean missing family that's at home. Even though that's, I think, a big one and an obvious one. But I don't even think we have to talk about that because I think that that's so obvious. Although I don't think Israelis fully understand that, right? Israelis so much rely on their extended family. Um, 
you know, of course it's Kaitanat Safta when, when, you know, it's the, it's August, um, you know, or for, or it's Corona. Um, there's Yom Sababa in school, which is like the day that the grandparents come and our kids don't have those things. And that's hard. And we miss our, we miss our families and we miss it also for our children. But that's not even what I meant. I Wait, wrote, before you even get to that, I want to say that you don't, people don't realize how pervasive that is. In Chutzla'aretz, when you live, I don't know, out of town, if, if whoever understands what that, Johnny, you understand what that means when we say out of town? I know what it means. Okay. I know. <laughs> when we I live out of town in Chutzla'aretz, your community becomes your extended family. And we had this in Michigan, and it was a beautiful thing. Because everybody understood that unless you actually grew up in Detroit, and that was a very small amount of people, right? you didn't have that framework. You didn't have the Ma'atefet, and the community becomes that. I think one of the big reasons that community communal structure doesn't exist here, and it does not exist in any way, shape, or form like in Israel, is because you don't need it. Why do I have to need my community for? I'm inviting my family, and when I want to have a bar mitzvah, yeah. I just invite my extended family. I don't have to invite the whole community. So the whole structure is different because of that lack of that lack of family, and that's just a reality here. Yeah, and I think, therefore, I think Olim, their, their, their community and their friends do become their extended family, um, but I think that it doesn't ever fill a certain gap, and when you're seeing your Israeli peers have something that you don't have, I think that that's painful. But that's not even what I was talking about. I was talking about the fact that, let's say, my kids, um, even though they're very good in English and fluent in English, the, the longer we live here, the more Hebrew is becoming the primary language in the house. I think, um, you know, it's very possible, Bezrat Hashem, B'Sha'atova, I would hope that my children will um, one day expands our families and our Shabbos table may be conducted in Hebrew all of a sudden, right? And and it's my family. What if my grandchildren, I should have them, Bezrat Hashem, everything should be well. What if they don't speak English? I, I you know, I'm not as comfortable reading in English, Hebrew as I am in English, which is not nothing to do, whatever, for whatever reason. I, I, I'm going to want to read English storybooks to my grandchildren. What if they don't understand English? Um, you know, my daughter now babbles away at me so fast in Hebrew. I'm, I'm saying to her all the time, slow down, slow down, slow down. I didn't understand what you said. Um, I know that sounds very trivial. Molly, this is your age not. and you're like, hey, we're getting, we're losing our hearing. So it's, uh, don't worry about that. That's also true. But I'm just saying, <laughs> no, or, or when I get together, I, I, Baruch Hashem, have a lot of Israeli family and I feel very close to them. Um, but sometimes when they speak to each other in Hebrew, I miss, I, I don't always understand what they're saying. And I miss nuance. And I, I, I'm tired of missing nuance. I think that's also part of it. I'm tired of missing nuance in um, people's conversations. I'm tired of not being able to convey nuance in my own conversations. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of not being able to be my full self. And that's that's hard. It's hard. It's hard to all. And I'll, I'll end with one last thing, which is whenever... Wait, is this I on the list? To... I'm just confused. You're on family or you moved on to something No, now else? I moved on. I'm, okay. I went from family, I segued into because an extended family, I feel sometimes like I'm a fish out of water. Even though my family is lovely and warm and I feel very close to them individually, when there's a lot of talk, I'm, I can be a fish out of water. But I'm always a fish out of water and I'm tired of being a fish out of water. I'm tired of when I have to talk to a, a, a storekeeper, I have to ask a waiter or a waitress for something or I have to... Um, 
any interaction with an Israeli, there's always a barrier, and it's and it's not just a language barrier, as we discussed in our in our you know, we discussed language barriers. It's a cultural barrier. I don't know whether they're expecting me to smile or make a joke or be serious or be angry or be crabby. Like it's such a different culture. You know, I know how to go into Barnes and Noble and politely ask for you know where is the latest X book on what shelf. I know how to smile. I know how to open the door for a stranger. I know how, I know how to do it. I know how to be in society. I understand the norms. And here, I've lived here since 1994, and I will still never fully get the norms. And because of that, anytime I have to interact with the outside culture, I'm always an immigrant, and that's painful. And that's I think what I wanted to express. Johnny, how's it going for you? Well, I didn't know we were going in that direction. <laughs> um, but this I is a non-scripted very... podcast, so uh... yeah. Well, exactly. You know, I have a, a very different experience. Um, I know how to go to Barnes & Noble or Waterstones or whatever. But, um, you know, I took down notes when, when Marty was speaking. She spoke, spoke about being her full self. And I very much feel I'm more of my full self here. And here I'm I'm not cheerleading. I'm speaking just very, very honestly. Um, and though in terms of sometimes expressiveness, I'm a speaker, so... Uh, you know, I, I, I speak in Hebrew and it's not quite the same as speaking the mother tongue that I was brought up with, nam namely English. But when I meet people, I have a bond which I don't think I need the words I don't know to feel understood and to understand them. Just today I took my car, my old uh, car to a garage, met a guy called uh, Danny who I'd never met before. We spoke about his, his son Tal, who I'd spoken to on the phone. Within a few seconds there's a sense of connection and uh, I don't need to talk to impress. I just am who I am. And he was being him as he was and feeling understood without words is actually a remarkable thing. Obviously one needs a certain amount of language to be understood. And Baruch Hashem, uh, I've got to that point, but, but beyond that, I like the way in which I, Cult, Israeli culture interacts with one another in most places and most times. Obviously, there are always exceptions. Uh, but the Amcha around my part are, are very lovely, very humble, very modest. Um, and uh, just as when I go to the Makolet very, very early in the morning, you know, uh, just kind of not quite pajamas, but not quite formal clothes, I can be just as much myself there as as elsewhere for that matter. And, and I enjoy being... Um, in many ways, uh, vulnerable. I enjoy being authentic. I enjoy being able to talk to people. And when they say, Achi, I know they mean it. And, uh, and that sense of transparency, you, you, what you see is what you get, for me, is super important. And I appreciate it so much. But you're also coming from a different culture that's probably much less transparent. It's much more formalistic than uh, the one that you live in now. Yeah, a hundred percent. But for for me, that that transparency, that sense of seeing what you get and being able to say what you think, is is so liberating, and uh, really, really, it makes me feel very whole. Yeah, I just want to respond to that because when you said that, Johnny, it kind of crystallized what I was trying to articulate. So I appreciate it. I think what I'm realizing as I get older is that you're a hundred percent right. There's a connection here. That you don't that that that's very special and I think very unique to Israel and I appreciate it just as much as you do. So yes, the connection is much deeper and much more authentic and much more real. What I'm I think what I'm missing is the comfort. 
even the comfortableness. I don't mean the emotional comfort. I mean the comfortableness, right? I wrote connection, but not comfort, right? And as I get older, I just, I miss things being easy and comfortable and not every, you know, it's like the Sabra thing. And again, this is, I don't mean this to be a criticism of Israelis. It's just a different culture. You know, they can be tough and rough and it doesn't hurt them because they know that there's no intent to harm. But I miss... I miss, and, and I know that Israelis find Americans sometimes very, they find it hypocritical. What's all this smile and have a nice day and opening doors when you really don't care about the person because the connection isn't actually there. It's just all this veneer. But I'm getting old and I miss the comfort, which is why I know it sounds silly, but I, I don't think you're that able, old just yet, but okay. I'm just saying, I miss being able to park and not having to fight to like find a spot and it's so narrow and maneuver through, you know what I'm saying? Like, I miss going into stores and the aisles are wide and they're not small and people smile at you and they bag your groceries and like all these things they're comfortable do, do you know what i mean i miss I, I had to do metal medical procedures in america and i know it's not all true but like there's music playing in the room and they warm up the gel for the you know whatever part of your body this wasn't this was like you know this is not a you know like it could have been my arm but like for whatever procedure they're doing and it's like they just they take comfort into account and here it's very authentic and it's very real and maybe because of that you go straight to the heart of the matter but i miss the wrapping i miss the the i miss the soft um the soft i miss i miss the bubble wrap <laughs> bubble wrap i like that <laughs> just just on that point uh this morning i i had a doctor's appointment that i was told that uh maybe life is a little bit stressful for me and i I need to have my blood pressure checked. So I went. I went to a doctor, and uh, uh, it was actually in a, in a, in a, a kupa, my kupa, but in a place I hadn't yet been to before. And um, and having spoken to the doctor, who was lovely, and uh, then having had some uh, a few minor tests from nurses who were super lovely. Um, but then I sat with the maskira, with the secretary, and she gave me all these different pieces of paper. And she said, OK, to have this done, you have to go to this different place. I said, why, why can't you do it? No, you can't do it here. To have this done, you need to be available on Monday morning between 9 and 12. I said, but I, I, I'm not available. OK, well, then you have to go to a different city. I said, you want me to drive 40 minutes because you are totally inflexible. Now, it's ridiculous. It's annoying. And it drove me crazy. But the point was, even all of that, which were not insignificant, um, uh, nevertheless, I could have that very direct conversation with Maskira, feeling that I didn't have to hold things back in terms of my feelings of frustration and contempt. So I suppose I couldn't change the system, but at least I could call it what it was in a way that I, I felt I needed to. Uh, so, yeah, you have this warmness, but sometimes there's a lack of fluffiness. Some days you feel that and it's, and it's frustrating. And some days you need that rawness. And uh, and you appreciate it. I, I totally get it. Okay, um, I just want to. I'm gonna sort of uh, respond. I just say when Kamali brought up this issue, I, I I was very eager to talk about it, mostly because I used to say I used to say you know nefesh benefesh when I was when we moved here nefesh benefesh their slogan was live the dream, you know, and I always felt that that was that was misleading because. It's you're living life, and you know it's you know people dreams make aliyah, but it's not a dream here. It's real life, and it's a struggle. And I always felt that their slogan should have been more like the old Home Depot slogan. Home Depot used to have, used to have a slogan: "You can build it, we can help." And I was like that because it was very like you know reasonable and realistic. And I felt that they should have said, 
Aliyah, you could do it, we can help. You know, and, and that would have been more, more in line with what life was like. I don't know if we were going to go into what we miss. Um, I, I have a list as well, a very small list. But before I get to my list, we'll take a short break. I'm going to be right back. Rabbi Alex Israel recently shared a Facebook post celebrating the completion of the cycle of the Mishnah. He writes, I know that people find it difficult to do some daily learning. I love Mishnah. It is short in bite-sized chunks. Even a small section has a coherence and can be understood independently, unlike a Talmudic passage. Due to its brevity, one has to have a good excuse not to have time to study two Mishnayot a day. Today, so many people are looking for a daily learning option that's not only doable, but meaningful. Mishnah Yomit is a really great choice. With the Mishnah Project, you can learn on our website, mishnah.co, on YouTube, or join hundreds of learners on the WhatsApp group or Telegram channel and receive the Mishnayot on your phone every day. And it costs nothing to join. Join the Mishnah Project at mishnah.co. That's M-I-S-H-N-A-H dot C-O. And make Mishnah study a meaningful part of your day. We're back. Ma Molly and uh, Johnny, we're talking about uh, the realness of Aliyah. I have a, a very short list. Uh, my first, uh, my, my, the first thing I would say is, of course, Sunday. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't really understand why Israelis don't get the importance of Sunday. And by Sunday, I mean a day that you're not working, that you're not preparing for Shabbat, that you can spend with your family. Like recently, we've had Sunday on, Yom, on uh, you know, election day for like, you know, every, every other, uh, every six months. But um, you know, what, what can you do? But I think to me, it's really interesting. You're like, Molly, you spoke about being a fish out of water. And what you're really speaking to, to me, is the subtle cultural shift uh, that, like you said, the attitude, the cultural differences that, that, that there are between Israelis and Israeli society and American society. So, like you talk about you talk about comforts and creature comforts, and I think that's one of them. But to me, the largest shift and the, lar the that I think was hardest for me was the the what I would call the culture of spontaneity uh, and flexibility of Israel. I wouldn't even call it flexibility; it would just shift on a dime. Versus the I would say the solid I wouldn't even call it rigidity or the desire for a structure that you have to have in America. And the best way I would, I, I always talk about this example is, um, I remember when I was, a, we were, I was a rabbi in, in Michigan, we would have the Kolator Museum would call us up on, on Tuesday and say, yeah, we're thinking of having a Shabbaton this week. So any chance we could come and have a nice thing? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You want to have a Shabbaton in my shul? We'd love it. But just make sure you call me three months in advance so we put it on the calendar and the janitor knows all the things and all the people have to know. And he would like, he like couldn't believe, laughed at me. He just laughed. The guy was like, the Rosh Kola was like, I don't understand. What are you talking about? Why can't we have a Shabbaton this weekend? Was, you just can't. And then I, I kid you not, uh, it's my father's 40th yard site. And last night I said to my wife, you know, I was thinking, I think I'd like to have something in our house on Friday night. 
And I was like, I never would have done that in a hundred thousand years. I don't know if it's going to come. It's, I think it's not going to happen. A real Israeli, I had a setback and nobody, somebody didn't answer me. And like, I'm going to give up like an American because I needed it to be set in stone from before. But a real Israeli would be like, okay, I'll call this guy. And if he can't do it, I'll call that guy. And we'll call a few people and we'll get us things together. And it'll be a lovely evening. And, it, you know, and it will be a lovely evening. And it just wrapping your head around that, that it's, a, it's a, such a small thing that's so all-encompassing that it's very, it's very hard to describe how, how, how different it is and how much of a mind, of a, of a shift it's supposed to be. And it's not better or worse. Both um, attitudes have advantages and disadvantages. And adjusting from one to the other is not an, necessarily an easy thing to do at all. And I think that's, that's something like that, that I, when people ask me, I tell them, like, it's also... You, you can't describe a cultural shift because you're, when you're, it's like you said, a fish out of water, I think is the best way of saying it, right? Tell the fish what it's like to be in the other side of the ocean. You can't because his life is in the water. It's something you have to just go through and experience and be a part of. And some people do it to a larger degree and some people do it to a lesser degree and stay within smaller sub-communities because it's too difficult for them to, for them to do. I'm wondering what you guys think about that. First of all, I, I agree with you. Um, Sunday, you, I, I would, I would do a whole podcast on how I believe that we should, we should have Sundays. Yeah, we should do that podcast. Um, I'm in. I'll talk I, about Sunday. I really, I believe it very, very strongly. I think everybody would be better off. I think people would be less stressed. Um, I have a son who just started university, and like he said, like it's the chilonim have such an advantage over him because they have Shabbos. And I was like, well, whatever. What does he mean? And then I was like, oh, of course he's right because we had weekends, so we had Sunday. Can you imagine going to to university without having a Sunday? Well, actually, I was in YU and we learned on on Sunday morning, but okay. Okay, I'm just saying. Till three, but okay. So, I'm just saying, like, oh, it, 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 everybody would be less so, yes. Everybody would be more happy. It, 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 we need Sunday. I, I'm happy to have that and podcast Friday because I think, Sunday, that, I think we'll the, that I think the country would be more religious if there was Sunday than Correct. less religious. And okay. they would be less stressed and everybody would yell at each other less and everything would be better. But so we digress. Okay. Okay, yeah. Also, the other what you said about the flexibility also very much relate to. Um, somebody once said, and I'm not using, I, I shouldn't use this term lightly and I'm not, but they said Israel is a country of PTSD, meaning, right? Because we go from emergency to emergency, but what that ends up meaning is that we're excellent at emergencies, right? If there's a flood in Haiti, we are there. If there's a tragedy in Surfside, right, the Israelis will go and they'll take care of it. If, there, if there's a tragedy here, we can take care of it. We know how to turn on a dime and fix an emergency. You know what we can't do? Long-term planning. We can't figure out that 10 years from now, our schools are going to need five classes per grade and not one class per grade. So we're going to build a building for where we are now. <laughs> Johnny is shaking, shaking his head. I think it's really it's true. It's so true. It's sad. Okay, good. You're not <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Because, because Molly, we're, I, I work in an institution that has, a, that has like, we have a budget from the government to do things for chutzlaretz. So it would make sense for us to do a pilot project and to figure out what works and then no to develop a... No, but, the, but they're like, no, your yeah. budget is for two years. Spend it all. They're building our road now <laughs> to fix a problem that started 10 years ago. And when it's done, it's going to solve 10 years ago's problem. But it's not... But in the meantime, 500 new people are moving in on every other hilltop and we're going to have the same problem. As soon okay. as that tunnel is open, there's going to be a traffic jam. That's already, like, already a t- traffic jam. So I'm saying <laughs> that, that I, I definitely agree with. And I'll just add one more, one more piece and then uh, I'd like to hear Johnny's reflections because this is another painful one for me and I was just having a conversation downstairs with my kids about it. Um, parenting. 
when you're parenting and you're especially when you're a young parent and you don't know the norms the cultural norms you goof up and you mess up not just for yourself you mess up for your kid right so like Ruby's either he Ruby's making face he doesn't care I remember no I I, 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 I don't I don't think I think that the odds of you messing up your kid because you don't know the cultural I'm norms are very low. I'm not saying you're going to mess low. up your kid. I'm saying my poor son who had to go to um, bring Mishlochei Manot and because one of the parents, I won't say who, but it wasn't me, um, sent him that morning with a sandwich and, a, and an apple instead of a bag full of goodies because he didn't understand what he was supposed to be sending and my kid is still scarred from that moment and gone. Or the moment when I was asked in second grade, can you say the thank you to the Morat at the end of the year? And I was like, sure, I'll say the thank you, thinking that what I had to say was thank you. And then realizing, no, I was supposed to have written a six verse you know, rhyming poem and perhaps done a little dance uh, because that's how Israelis do it, right? And like there's so many times or... Mom, my- you want, if you want to talk about, I don't think messing up your kid, but I would say the difference is when you come with different cultural norms. Like, yeah, what do you don't... mean you're going to stay out all night and paint also, the walls all also, night long? No also, kid of mine is going to walk yeah, home or like, in the middle of the night. I don't know what a is, right? Like our first children, our four poor first children are like, Oh, I'm supposed to bring like an entire Mongol to the army when you have your, <laughs> you know, I didn't know that, right? Like all these, and, and again, some of them are funny, but some of them are painful. They're painful for us as parents. They're painful for our kids, um, especially the first ones. And it's hard. It's hard to be an immigrant. And I just think it's important to kind of put that on the table and, and like in solidarity with people who are, then we're all doing it and we all feel that and I just think it's it's just very it it's important to, to point out Johnny you're the most recent immigrant do you feel that way about parenting your kids um, no because we made sure to ask a lot of questions from a lot of peers and uh, in most cases we've received a good amount of assistance from schools uh, and we're not my wife and I've been assertive but that doesn't mean there haven't been moments I'm just trying to you know, there have been moments where we've had to fight for certain rights for our kids, which, uh, if we were in the UK, should have been a lot more seamless. There have been moments where I've had to literally storm into uh, the the local representative of the education department and kind of said, what the heck are you doing? But the, I would never have stormed into that office if I was in the UK. I would have kind of like written some kind of... Uh, um, reluctant message saying if it's okay with you I'd like to meet you at like 11 here I just kind of like I couldn't th- those boundaries you know what there's a phrase I can't recall it uh, but in terms of the gap between um, those who with authority and those who less the gap in Israel is smaller than almost uh, any other society and you feel that you feel that you can uh, you can get frustrated by situations but at least you can fight that battle and it's not beyond your reach Although sometimes it's exhausting to do so. I think but that's the I thing. Was... It's the exhaustive. When you mentioned that word, I wrote it down, assertiveness. Like in Israel, if you want something, people, I think, sort of figure if you want it badly enough, then you do what you need to do to get it. Yeah. You know, it's really like I, I, I work for a certain organization and I spoke to the person and they agreed with me that we have to do a certain kind of process. And, and they agreed with me and then nothing happened. And a year passed and then a second year passed. And suddenly I realized, wait a second, I'm being so American about this. You know, what you have to do basically is like what the teachers do. Okay, you don't, if you don't give me what I want, I'm not going to come to work. And so I sort of had to do a like, um, 
like a strike in a sense and say, oh, you know, like, you know, a work slowdown, as it were. And nobody got mad at me. It was like really weird. Yeah. You think like, like, why are you doing your work? And they were like, no, that makes total sense. That's how you do it. And lo and behold, saying. and lo and behold, what I learned was the thing happened. As soon as like this person, who's a wonderful person who I love to pieces, realized that like, unless this changes, what, what they need done isn't going to happen. They made the changes and everybody's happier now. The whole team is happier now. You know what I'm saying? It's like you literally have to go on strike and that's say. The point. the point is, do you do you? What Johnny's saying is, and, that and the culture expects that. Do, right, the culture expects it, and Johnny's like, it's not. I, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but essentially, you're saying it's not a big deal because once you learn the rules, then you do them, and they're fine. And no, I don't agree. It's not a big deal. It could be exhausting. What, what I'm it's saying exhausting. is, if you have a temperament that finds it difficult to be assertive, or that finds it more pleasant to be non-confrontational, oh. um, or finds it pleasant to feel like you understand things and you aren't always learning on the go, then no, it, it's, it's not, I don't think Johnny and I are contradicting each other. I'm just, it's, it's just a question of the degree of like how comfortable it is or how easy it is to, to have to shift into that mode and to be in that mode. And I'm just saying, I'm tired of that mode. I'm just tired of it, which doesn't mean I'm not gonna do it. It doesn't mean that tomorrow I'm not gonna go in and be a you know, and as somebody once said to me, I thought this was a very good rule. You don't have to yell, you don't have to scream. You can be nice and you can smile. You just, you can be the broken record that says it over and over. Ken, slicha, avalabat sheli tzricha lavor kita. Ani mevina sheza kashe, avalabat sheli tzricha lavor kita. Then you call the next day, shalom, medaber, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but Molly, if you're the assertive person, you'll get it the second time, not the 10th time. Okay, but, but right. at least if you're not the assertive person, if you're the nudnik, you will still get it on the 10th time. So that's like a good piece of, it's a good piece of advice for Americans who don't want to be. And by the way, Americans who yell, it doesn't really work. You have to know how to yell like an Israeli. Right, like, that's definitely true. You have you know to know I mean? how to, you know, you, you do have to know how to do it. You, have to cross, you can't come across as like, um, yeah, they, you have to send the vibe of like, really, we know that we're all friends underneath. And when Americans come across as entitled or... Or like, um, like there's a, a too far line. It doesn't work. Yeah. No, but I would say, by the way, like it sounds like we're complaining, and we are complaining to some degree. But you, you know, you we are outsiders. You know, it's not something that I'm comfortable with. But it's okay to understand that this is something that they are Correct. comfortable with, and that's Correct. their expectation. Right. And so, so for us, it's exhausting. Reason. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? For Israelis, when they go to America, it's entirely bewildering the same way. Yes. Meaning, it's not. I think it's really important to say it's not bad or good. Like very often Americans are like, oh, those Israelis are crazy. They're not crazy. They think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, you're the one that moved here and you, you should understand that you're coming in with a, with a different set of values and a different set of cultural mores. And you know what I'm saying? And when you're being British and nice and you really hate the guy behind you, you know what I'm saying? That's they don't understand that. and don't appreciate that either. So I, I think it's really like it's important to understand that and appreciate those cultural differences and to be aware of them and to work through them. And it's not easy, I'm saying. It's not always easy. But that's a very far cry from saying, oh, it's so hard here. It's hard or, because it's or different. Or their way is worse. I agree with you. What's wrong with these stupid Israelis? Or what's wrong with these rude Israelis? I think you're 100% right. It's cultural. It's not a better or worse cultural norm. It's a different cultural norm. And it has its advantages. Johnny. Let, let me just give you an example of this. Uh, as you know, and uh, some other friends know that my wife had to undergo some surgery a couple of months ago. And, and so we went to the hospital at, at the time where we were supposed to, and there was no bed. And we waited for a little bit, like an hour or so, because uh, you've got to be fair, and there wasn't. And it became like two hours, and it was getting annoying because it was really now 10, 10.30 at night. 
And obviously, I'd, I asked them nicely a couple of times, but by a, a, cert, a certain point, I said, uh, you know, stop asking nicely. And I was very fierce uh, towards the people, nothing personal. Can't but, imagine that. You know, he, can't it's hard for me to see. Not, Did you speak in the dulcet me, tones? Uh, trust me, it can happen. Now, what's <laughs> interesting, though, is the following. My wife said, once, you know, don't talk to them that way. They'll, they'll get annoyed with us. I say, I, I don't care. My job is to be your advocate. And by the way, it's important to note, in Israel, you need an advocate in hospitals. Things don't happen for you. Anyway, so I did that. So what's the difference though, between the UK and England? If I, if I had to speak to a doctor or nurse with, with a firmness, again, not personal and not aggressive, but, but really, you know, unbudging in terms of expectation that they give a place for, for my wife. If I had to do that, the next day when I'd see that doctor or nurse, I'd feel a little bit awkward because the next day I didn't feel at all. I saw the same people I was shouting out the day before and everyone understood. You had to do what you had to do. Meaning you sometimes have to be that person, but unlike elsewhere where you have to sometimes be that person and you feel bad and there's a certain awkwardness, here there's no feeling bad, no awkwardness. It's understood that there are times where you have to speak up. But just one, one for that's a minor anecdote, um, but very much was the case. I suppose what really China is saying is the following. When it comes to Israel, a bit like with love, you know, you can watch Disney and, and Hallmark movies, which are cute, but love and marriage is rarely the way of Disney and Hallmark. And if people are asking for relationship advice, one should not diminish the pros, but one should not also hide the cons, you know, the often discussion of what you weren't taught by your Hosna and Kala teacher. I think there's a similar question, which is what were you not taught by people who speak of Aliyah? And um, I, I know all three of us are strong advocates and love the land of Israel, but we're trying to make it clear here that this isn't always Disney, it isn't always Hallmark, but there's also something quite extraordinary about being a citizen of the land of Israel. So Johnny, I'm so glad you brought that up because I sort of want to segue, I want to pivot, as Israelis do. By the way, I think, by the way, that was thinking about this, that's one of the reasons why Israel does so well in the business world, because they, can, they fail so well and they pivot and it's like, okay, that didn't work, let's try something else. I, I happen to think that that's a very, um, very Israeli attitude. Uh, so let's pivot and turn to this idea of advocacy, because what's really interesting is you see it all the time on Facebook and on social media and even articles and whatever, like you, you very rarely hear such honesty as you're hearing in this podcast about struggles that we have and challenges that we have. Um, and so many olim, they feel like, like you said, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Aliyah and to try to convince the rest of the world, I did it, so you could do it too. And not only did it, could you do it, you should do it. And uh, look how awesome it is. Do you think that we're supposed to be ambassadors for moving, making Aliyah? Or we should just, you know, live our lives and share our kids' pictures like everybody else. But not everything has to be, you know, living the dream, amazing here in Israel, you know, only in Israel moment, my kids, blah, blah, blah. What do you think, Johnny? I think that when somebody, is, I think every Jew, in fact, they don't even need to live in Israel. I think every Jew is an ambassador of our faith and our values. And those who live here feel a greater sense of responsibility of this ambassadorship. And uh, many people do that uh, kind of formally, many informally. But I, I certainly feel that sense of responsibility to be a voice and to convey messages which represent an authentic, but nevertheless, um, where possible, uh, positive and upbeat message of, of living here in the land of Israel. 
in the state of Israel. By the way, I keep on using the words land of Israel, as, as we know, we are here, but also we celebrate being here in the state of Israel. But I suppose what the one thing that is really hard to deny is that when we live here in Israel, we're not just describing our presence in the present. In, each of us, you know, people of the book, people who know our heritage, Almost wherever we are, you're on a street corner and you see a street sign, you're in an ancient city, we see past, present and future come together. And and it often sends a shiver down our spine. We're rarely necessarily giving a saccharine version of life in Israel. You know, sometimes people are annoying. Sometimes there's lousy traffic. Sometimes, you know, there, there's abruptness in every different office, especially government offices. That's true. But I suppose what we often feel compelled to do through that ambassadorship is convey that almost unspeakable uh, shiver down that spine that happens more often than people realize. And um, it's, in many ways, it's, it's irrational. It's poetic, right? It's why I drive very fast to sometimes just give one singular shiver in, in Yerushalayim because who cannot teach Torah in Yerushalayim? Like, it's, it's a thing of the prophets, you know, and... And so the more we know about where we've come from, the more we're aware of the journey we've gone on. I don't think it undermines the struggles. I don't think it, uh, it, it ignores the fact that sometimes life is, is very much challenging. But we wish to communicate that, and sometimes we communicate that through that rah-rah way of talking about Israel. But getting the balance right, obviously, is very, very delicate. Molly, do you advocate? What do you think? I, I, I think Johnny said a lot of... He said it very well. Um, I, I remember he, he does I, that sometimes. He does. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember I went on a date once, years and years ago. Um, and at the end of the date, the guy said to me, well, clearly you want to live in Israel. And clearly you've been hinting to me the whole evening that you're like fishing to find out whether I want to live in Israel because you've mentioned it so many times. Like you've mentioned that you were planning to make Elian, how you feel about Israel. And I was like, uh, I, I really, I, I really did not like I, I, that was not my intention at all. What had happened, what had happened was that we were talking and I was just being honest and clearly Israel meant so much to me and had so infused my values and my identity and the prism through which I viewed um, history and, 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 and my personal sense of mission, whatever it was. It just it, it became very natural to, to like who I was. And I think that that's kind of how I see it. I think I think that it's crept into my soul in in such a deep way that the ambassador, I, I prefer not to think of myself as an ambassador because I, I, I think if you ask me the question of should we be ambassadors, should we encourage Aliyah, I just think it's so tricky. It's so complex. Um, both on a communal level and a personal level. I don't like the idea of telling people what to do or what not to do. So I'd much rather keep it on the very basic level of what do I feel and what do I believe? But I think that because I feel and believe, it's like what Johnny said, I feel it so strongly um, for all my complaining, right, that I said before, for all the honest truth of like these, these things are both true, for all that I miss the comfort or whatever, I, I don't think a day goes by when I don't have um, a... A feeling of my, our tremendous good fortune to be privileged to be living at this time and in this place 
and I don't take it for granted and I see it around me all the time. Like I see the miracles everywhere. Like as Johnny said, you know, giving a shir in Yerushalayim. Like, I don't know, just just driving the streets, seeing the names of the streets, seeing people coming together, hearing, I was on a beach this afternoon, hearing Russian on the beach. Like everything is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. Um, and, and, and again, all of a sudden here I am sounding like this, you know, rah, rah, jingoist ambassador. I don't mean it that way at all. I'm, I'm just speaking the truth as I experience it. And so I think that, and I think that just brings it around to why I wanted to talk about this, because I want to, I, I want people to understand that some of us, we, when we're speaking the truth as we experience it, that it's really the truth as we experience it. We're not trying to be, um, you know, we're not trying to paint the world through rosy colored glasses and we don't have rosy colored glasses. We also do see the other side. And maybe as Johnny was kind of implying, that also highlights just how powerful the, um, the, the positive side is. If given all those difficulties, the other side, like there's no comparison between the two sides. There's no, they're just not, they're not equal measure at all. You hear what I'm saying? So like, I, I understand that, what you're saying. I think that's, that that's how I relate to it. I think that, you know, if if we were saying we want to advocate a Torah lifestyle to people who are not aware or have not been privileged to be raised with a Torah lifestyle, so pretty much all of our listeners would say, "Oh, that's a good idea. I think that you should do that." Although somebody who was not raised that way would say, "Stop proselytizing to me." Stop teaching, telling me what to do. I don't want to hear about how wonderful your Shabbat meal is and how wonderful your family life is. What about all the struggles of tuition and all the difficulties you have? And, and so I, I think sometimes, you know, people feel preached to um, when, uh, when us here on this side who've done it and been through the struggles, really, like you said, do feel a, a, a deeper sense of meaning and a sense of, this is uh, where God wants us to be. I mean, this is where the Jewish, the, the future of the Jewish people is. And while it is hard, while it is challenging, while there are difficulties, we want to share that with people. We want, to, we want them to experience that as well. And that's coming from a place of, yes, I want you to go through that struggle and have that difficult time because I believe you can do it. And I believe you will be, come to understand that as well. And the vast majority of people who do it do have that experience. So I, I, can, I, I think I understand both sides. Like on the one hand, you don't presume to understand everyone and how difficult it is and what position they're in. But on the other hand, yes, I do, because I was there and I was scared out of my mind and it was the most difficult decision I ever made in my life. And so like some, in some ways, if, if I could do it, if Johnny could do it, and we have to reinvent ourselves here, then anyone could do it, especially people who have, who have job skills and, and you know, after COVID and you, know, you could work anywhere in the world. I think there's what to be said for... Um, preachiness and not in a nasty way not in a nasty way but even torah you don't can't really sell torah if you preach it you'll sell torah much better if you let it if you just let it sell itself i'm sorry but there are literally hundreds of millions of dollars invested in and who are the successful ones are they the ones who tell you i don't know i'll be honestly a lot there's a lot of successful live it because they feel that it's the authentic no no if you don't bring it to people and you don't try no, to engage them. No, but if you tell them, them you have to do X, Y, and Z. Who says you have to? We're saying, we're saying. saying that's, that's what I'm saying. Who's, I'm saying uh, who's I think saying the best you have to? We're is, sharing this is why I great. find it meaningful. And, and um, it's Israel too. This is I find it meaningful. You make your own decision about what you but think I'm, But I'm right saying, thing. Molly, we go out and we find people who don't have Torah and say, this is what I find meaningful. Why is it bad then if we go out and find people and say, 
this, this is what, is what I find I meaningful find about meaningful. I think living in our living like in is, and you should do it too. And if you're not, but that's the implication of it. That's the implication of every pitch. It is. Is it not? I don't know. That's not the implication of every Kirov event that you, that anyone's ever gone to. This is the meaning of a Torah lifestyle. I don't have to say it, but and you should do it too. I'm gonna just uh, abstain. Or maybe Johnny has a can. can uh, Johnny, wrap us up. You can, can disagree. With, I mean, obviously, but uh, what do you think? I think you. I think you've taken the conversation to a, a slightly different place. But um, <laughs> so good. At <laughs> I, I, you know, ultimately, we. I, I think why I'm pleased we've had this conversation. We discussed whether we should or we shouldn't. There were. It, we were worried about Dibata Awitz, we were worried about kind of frightening people, is that what we attempted to convey, um, maybe we have, maybe we haven't, I hope we've endeavored at least in some measure, is to be honest, be raw, be real. We've always said this is what this podcast is about. Be very transparent about the struggles and the frustrations. And yet all three of us in our own unique way kind of say, yeah, but once, once you're here, once you're here and once you, you walk those steps and you feel that air and you listen to that music and you have those interactions, though sometimes a bubble wrap is better and it's easier, you know, on a simple level. And none, none of you have, uh, your post doesn't come to your door. You have to go somewhere, right, to get collected, right? Amazon delivered to my house the other day. Couldn't believe it. Well, that, I don't know what happened. Just just think about that for a second. Imagine you're American British somewhere else. Like we're getting excited that somebody comes to your door with something you ordered. You know I just like to say I'm so happy that Amazon is limited day, here. I would be like don't bring things. Here it's a whole chiddush. They can't you go to some kind of metal box somewhere you have to go to, and if it's too big you have to stand somewhere else, right? It's a time which <laughs> set by somebody else in order to wait for something you've already paid for, right? All that's annoying. There's no question about it. It's actually ridiculous. And of course, we'd like it to be improved. And still, and still, with all that annoyance, with all that stuff with the doctors, you have to go to these 17 different places. There's something. There's, there's something in the air, quite literally. There's something that we draw from the grittiness, from the toil, from the getting our hands dirty. I suppose in many ways, I think all three of us would have less worn out hands less worn out heads were we not to be here in some measures of course i'm in no way uh, suggesting that living elsewhere is easy and living here is hard but in certain aspects that may be the case but those are those are our trophies of of the journey we've taken and uh, i'm pleased i have them so i have to johnny when you say it it's just made me think of a very very famous quote from john f kennedy when he announced that he wanted to, America had to go to the moon. And he said the following. He said, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because yeah. that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win, and the others too. Does that make sense? I'll also add, by the sense. way, just to yeah. say one good thing about Israel instead of in terms of Dibata Aretz. When I met Elian, I complained to somebody who was, you know, whatever, 40 years ahead of me or whatever it was. <laughs> and she said, when I met Elian, people didn't have wrapping paper. They gave each other presents at weddings wrapped in newspaper, right? She's like, 
we are so much more ahead of where we were. And when I, again, look back, and I'm like, you know, this country is, we're, how old are we? 70 what? Three? Four? What what, what number are we? What, what, this what country's 73, I think. 73, right? Yeah. 73? Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you trace the improvements in all of the areas that we've been talking about, they, it's probably exponential, right? In terms of like where we were, in terms of hardships and where we are. Right? Oh, I, I like to say my uncle told me when he moved here in 73, it took him two years to get a phone. And when I got here, it took me two, two minutes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's all true, but it doesn't make it easier if you're coming from it, a place where... What, right, yeah. it's exactly. It doesn't, it's, all, it's all a question of what you're used to, where you're coming from and where you're going to. But like, if I was the one who like introduced this as like, oh my gosh, it's so hard here. I do want to say, like, again, I haven't been in Tel Aviv for years. Today I was in Tel Aviv for the first time. That is one fun, beautiful, vibrant, successful, awesome mm-hmm. city. I, you know, like we're getting there, like you know, because the toil and the hard—it's all true. And at the same time, um, it, it, there, it, it's the even the physical comforts are improving, and the, and all of those things. And and that's also like I think this is a country whose trajectory, whose trajectory is on the way up. And I'm not sure every country in the world is in that direction. And I will leave it at that. But I'm, I'm <laughs> that, that took a dark turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that I, I think that we're lucky. We're blessed to be in a country who seems like our trajectory is is upward. Be'ezrat Hashem. We'll leave it here. I want to thank Rabbi Malibravsky of Johnny Solomon. If you've got your own gripes, we're going to start a website called IsraelGripes.com. You can upload your own gripes to IsraelGripes.com, and we'll share them with you with with the listeners. On, as soon as we have a mailbag section on a future podcast. Uh, I want to I thank you already, so I guess I'll thank Johnny. I got Johnny. I want to thank uh, my son for making our music and, uh, and uh, wish everybody a great week.